The foothold stands as one of the few refuges of the broken age. But for how long? The snake-headed chaos sorcerer Coilspite the Vile leads his army to besiege it. Intercepting Coilspite's flying castle are three rogues and one intelligent sword. They fly upon winged lizards and an enchanted horse gifted to them by the goddess of Horizon's promises. Her parting words to them hold the key to their victory. Within the whirling spire is the source of Coilspite's power, a gemstone called the Heart of the Serpent. Destroy that, and you bring him and his castle down. No more words. Your voices must be in your weapons. The fate of the foothold, and perhaps the world, hang in the balance. Destiny is the whetstone of these swords without master. Welcome to Crudely Drawn Swords Without Master, an actual play podcast of swords, no masters, and flying lizards. With us today are three heroes, one sword, and one overplayer. The heroes being portrayed by such performers as television's Alison Hancock. <laughs> Hi. You may remember me from a 1988 episode of Look Northwest <laughs> when I played a Victorian school child. <laughs> did you? I did. No way. I was on the radio too. Oh. Yeah. What did you say? I didn't. Good radio appearance. Oh, on the radio Wait. I did. I did my eight times table. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, I can say I was on the radio too. Don't check. You won't hear me. I sung on the radio once and we were on after some tap dancing no, old ladies. Shut up. Shut up. Your TVs. Oh, God. my apologies. And also with us, radio Stuart Heading. Oh, I was going to say hi. Yeah, I'm Stuart Heading. You may remember me from... Uh, about 36 years ago when I was the last child standing at the end of a panto and I sung with that guy from the monkeys and I sat on his lap and sung Old MacDonald's Farm. <laughs> That's a true story. And Wait, the were, best were you part invited is... up onto the stage or something? Well, we went to the pantomime say last child so standing, it was very Battle Royale. Yeah. Pantos were a lot more hardcore in those days Bloody and bruised I stood there The corpses of children scattered around My fingers broken from just beating them down As the guy from the monkeys was like Hit them! Hit them again! (laughs) Oh, MacDonald had a farm E-I-E-I-O and on the bomb, hit him! Break his face! <laughs> With a moo moo here, a moo moo there, a moo moo 
to him. Oh, I'm just crying, just smashing this kid's face into the stage. Why? It's my brother's birthday. With a moo moo I'm a McDonald's. That's a bomb. E.I. E.I. Oh, no. <laughs> Happy days. A semi-true story, that one. Semi-true story. Adapted. But I did actually... The, the the quick version was that basically I think I was about six or seven and he was like, everyone that's two to five, leave the stage to the left. Everyone that's like eight to 12, leave the stage to the right. And I was sitting there going, um, I'm neither of those ages. So I just kind of stood there and he was like, come on, lad, come on. And we sat on a stool in the middle of the stage and I sat in his lap and we sung old McDonald's to a, an auditorium full of adoring fans. And that was when that's... Stuart knew he was going yeah. to be a singer. I knew this is the life for me, singing on the knee of a monkey. <laughs> People say you were monkeying around. I did. Oh, I think you've stolen all the line that I can remember. <laughs> well, you were too busy singing. Yeah, yeah. and smashing. And punching everybody down. <laughs> oh, very good. Also with us, we have Banning Things is Gwyn Teague. I'm Gwyn, I don't have a funny story. <laughs> <laughs> Theatres, Pete Carrington. Hello. That's enough of you. <laughs> <laughs> no more at him. He can actually corroborate my story. It happens all the time on the stage. <laughs> and you, Ben? <laughs> I... <laughs> I'm the phonographs Ben Moxon. I'm podcasting's Ben Moxon. <laughs> Got the lot of you. None of you been on a podcast. Today I will be performing the role of Warm Crispin, the final minister. Oh, I never yeah. said None our of character us names. Our characters. No. <laughs> <laughs> and I like it that way. So I guess we shall continue the story with of Leonard Glank. Is Stuart's character. I nearly said Tristan's character because uh, I see his OC. Yeah, that's fair. Oh, you mean Shanks' character? Oh, yeah, Shanks' character. Grizzard Skink Wrangler, Ali's character, and Kalanoia Stab. Gwyn's <laughs> character. <laughs> mm -hmm. We are entering the end game of our adventure through the realm of Swords Without Master. So, Pete, why don't you explain what exactly that means? So, uh, here's where we start to tie up some of the uh, the motifs and the mysteries and the morals that uh, we've uncovered during our game. So, uh, play continues uh, mm. as uh, as it has before, but um, if you yeah if you roll a mystery or a or a moral or um, then you don't need to make up a new one. And uh, as we play, uh, we can reincorporate uh, some of these things and resolve them. So uh, you can uh, talk about how you uh, learn this moral, or maybe you, you know, maybe you will never learn this moral. <laughs> or you can tie tie together two of these motifs that we've got, uh, or you can uh, you can solve a mystery or further that mystery. So. Uh, Obviously, you've all reviewed these thoroughly. Oh, yeah. Oh, excuse me. But just for the listeners, 
I could go over what we've got. So we have the following motifs. We have eyes by firelight, bright light consumed by darkness, a floating swamp. We have whirling eddies of dust in still caged air, green fire drifting through the air like snow, a blade that can cut reality. We have a circle of bones compass, a prism of darkness drawn from a wizard's skin, and a gigantic golden cage etched with runes. And by reincorporating these motifs in some way, two of them together, then that's one of the ways we can draw things together. We also have five morals. Too many lizards spoil the wrath. Yeah. Never trust things that act against their nature. Prophecy demands a price. Forgiveness must be earned by actions. And think your wishes through before asking a genie. That is, that is a base level. Everyone needs to know that. Yeah. I mean, That's I don't important. understand any of what... Like, I'm relying on anyone but me to finish this game. I don't get it. Your character's story ends when you either show how you have learnt from one of the morals or how you have gone towards solving a mystery or you reincorporate two motifs so you find a way to join together two of the motifs that we've picked up so they're like threads through the story that you kind of tie off and then at that point your character you can then kind of close out your character's role in it I'll just wing it. And so the mysteries we have are, what is the goddess in conflict with? What is the power of green flame? How does the shadow form diverge? And what power keeps Leonard keeps Leonard from the embrace of the mother? Rough childhood. I don't remember any of this. <laughs> like, when did, this we, when did we meet a genie and... Well, that was actually when the goddess gave us gifts and Grizzard asked to be always in the sun, which means she now has to be moving incredibly fast. Oh, no. Nice. I was learning yeah. valuable lessons, I remember. Yeah, have your wishes down here if you want to hear them. Um... Yeah, it's probably a good idea to do that. I seem to recall I have to speak in a goblin voice now because my horse got turned back to a horse. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. You you uh, asked for uh, Shawhoof to be turned back to a horse because it wasn't it wasn't Shawhoof's fault uh, that you got cursed. Kiss kiss hoof print. Damn, I'm a good guy. Judge me by my actions, not by the words I say. <laughs> <laughs> because I say some terrible things. Kalanoia asked to basically be the sharpest sword in all of reality and unreality and universe and anything. Yeah, Kalanoia's kind of the subtle knife now. Yeah, I was thinking that. I thought Kalanoia asked to no longer be <clears throat> in this system and said he didn't want to play anymore. Kalanoia's first wish. I asked wish. if I could, if I could play D&D. <laughs> <laughs> That's how he cuts yeah. through reality. Yeah. Um, and yep. we sort of <laughs> straight into a different tabletop. Oh. I sort of basically allowed that, and then just kicked the can over to Ben and say, "That's your problem now." <laughs> <laughs> this all happened a long time ago. Things have changed, and we might be finding out today ways in which things change. I think we're going to have to find out the way things change. 
But yeah, I mean, you're all pretty good at reincorporating things anyway. Like the eyes by yeah. firelight came up a lot. Um, so I'm confident that you guys uh, can tie this up pretty neatly. I think, I think that's more that we're only good at imagining one kind of imagery and <laughs> we just keep accidentally going back to it. So we find a floating swamp in a giant golden cage. Okay, there we go. You're done. Win. You're go finished. End of, end of Grizzard. so we tie up you know morals and motifs and and that kind of thing until there's one player left that that hasn't done one of those and they win and they get to kind of do an epilogue and if you have uh whereas when you've tied off a thread um you get to keep it as a trophy so uh no one else can reincorporate the motifs or mystery or moral that you completed that's yours then it belongs to you forever i mean uh i don't uh, in the rules it says that that's kind of your end end of your uh time in the game really um but considering we'll probably be playing for a little bit i don't think we need to be too strict on that it might be like the character's still there but that's like there the line under their work yeah yeah anyway paint paint us a picture and let's get going our heroes fly forward to intercept the dark flying castle called the Whirling Spire, which is caused by its headquarters. As the the uh, levels of the tower go up, they actually kind of move and shift a bit like a tumbler or a, like a cryptex. And this is the challenge that you're going to have to face if you're going to uh, defeat this evil. We're going to go into a perilous phase. So this flying castle of of evil with its spiked battlements and its uh, dark uh, crenellations is floating towards the foothold. So you've got a chance not only to to, uh, prevent the attack, but to settle some old scores with the Chaos Sorcerer, Coil Spite himself. And as you uh, you fly forward, uh, warm Crispin, uh, Grizzard Skink Wrangler on your uh, winged lizards, and uh, I imagine uh, Shawhoof has had sort of enchanted Betlocks. Uh, shoes, horseshoes, or something similar. <gasps> no, he's a Pegasus. Or maybe he's a Pegasus. Yeah, like he's just never yes. brought it up uh, before. Temporarily a Pegasus. Yeah. For this journey, yeah, permanently Pegasus. Make make him a normal horse, but then yeah. give him wings. <laughs> <laughs> You're speeding towards uh, the uh, the whirling spire, but a uh, something is coming out to meet you. Something with huge bat-like wings. Something that's I reckon it's a bat. Yeah, it's a bat. <laughs> Parrot bat. Something that squawks. And, uh, it's got uh, it's got the face <laughs> of this giant like giant Bat. chicken <laughs> okay. and, cock <laughs> and it's two f- claws are like lion's claws and then at the back it has a kind of a, a big snake like tail and it's sweeping towards you and it squawks and it's like in amongst you and suddenly it's a dog fight between all of you I am going to pass the bones to... What's our overtone? Jovial. Okay. Brilliant. Uh, 
this beast, uh, the cockatrice, is quite a jovial beast, I think. <laughs> oh, hey, guys, it's me! Cockatrice! <laughs> Wait, I'm going to rip out your heart. going to be great, yeah? In future, so. I'm going to take the form of a worm. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Warm Crispin, the cockatrice, uh, s- like, swoops towards you and bites the tail off of your flying lizard which kind of makes it lose its ability it's that was acting like a rudder and now it's like flapping yeah. around like it can't uh... but, but the lizard's okay because like they can shed their tail so yeah, yeah. it's like it's like oh this is bad for flying but i'm kind of okay yeah, it's not a mortal wound for it yeah sure but it's now gliding as if you know without a rudder yeah um, yeah we don't don't know where we're headed you're starting to lose altitude uh, as this thing kind of swoops back around you. A warm Crispin rolls jovial. <laughs> its claws like start scratching at the top. Is the the is your shield the toll? Is that right? Yes. Uh, yeah. So its claws scrape across Warm Crispin's shield and leave like a streaks of sparks as they do. These kind of blazing, magically imbued claws and. Warm Crispin is kind of now he's gone from a riding position on this lizard. He kind of gets up to his knees as this cockatrice zooms away and then starts spinning back. And then as it lunges forward again, he leaps up from his lizard's back and he smashes the shield down onto its head. And it's pushed down and knocked down and warm crispin somersaults over the shield and onto the back of the creature and he grabs onto its neck and it starts flying now it's flapping unsteadily but it's it's almost lost interest in the lizard that he was on and it's roaring towards grizzard and her lizard as a second target but it's got warm crispin hanging on for dear life and he's what he's doing here is that he has found a he has found a way to avoid being its immediate target and he didn't really think beyond that so now he's stuck on the back of a flying cockatrice and honestly he's a little bit scared and (laughs) so uh I I will uh, pass the bones on to Grizzard. Uh-huh. So, uh, Grizzard, you see uh, the uh, the lizard that the winged lizard that uh, Warm Crispin was riding. It it like loses altitude and it's heading straight to the ground, like as gently as it can. And you you sort of like, well, where's where's Warm Crispin gone? And then suddenly, like, you see the sh- the, the shadow of the cockatrice come over you. And it start, starts to um, plummet directly down towards you. Albertus, who has been granted wings for this uh, this mission, hasn't seen this happen. And as you start to as you start to try and avoid it, a cockatrice like slams into the into the back of of uh, Albertus, like completely like throwing him off balance. He starts to spin, and you start to go into like a death spin. Uh, as you head downwards and downwards and downwards. <laughs> okay. Oh no, a flip. 
So we are stymied. We don't we don't create a new mystery, but we are stym- But you are stymied in whatever we you are attempt. stymied, and it's a glum tone now. Albertus is spinning towards the ground. He's he's almost vertical, and the ground is coming up quickly. He's still attached to the cockatrice slightly. He's not pulled away. So Grizzard turns around and warms up her magical fingers and shoots out some magic in the hope that this will stop it and distract it. And so the magic forms a kind of skin in the throat of the cockatrice. (coughs) It says, a little like I've been coughing all the way through this episode. And so it starts to flap and panic and, and... Worry, what's going on? And and it's getting itself all knotted up. Albertus is is thrashing, thrashing with his lizardy claws, and he manages to swipe at the cockatrice slightly to injure it, um, but not in any way dangerously and terminally. And so um, Albertus uh, is still plummeting towards the ground, but he pulls up just in time. Grizzard has been um, using the reins or whatever um, to try and stop him, but he doesn't quite make it and scratches his belly across the floor and has a really quite nasty friction burn. So is this, is this the floor? Be, are we actually at the ground or is this the ground by this, by this whirling spire, like the base of the spire? I thought it was the ground below. Yeah, that, that's fine. I just wanted to be clear on where we were. Okay. I mean, crashing into the 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 floating land that the spire is on is quite a stymie. Yeah, that's also quite quite a mess to be in. Okay. Like it's already a flying tower. I bet you have to go to the top to get in. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so I crash into the ground that the spire is on skidding across and making really nasty friction burns on Albertus. Um, And we finally glide to a halt, uh, almost sparks behind us. I don't know why lizard skin lets off sparks. It just does, because this is a magical floating island. We stop. I breathe. Somehow we survived. Albertus is fine. But I look up to see, is Leonard up there still? Yeah, Leonard yes. still has Surehoof, his Pegasus. Yes. So I look up to see the underside of a Pegasus and pass the bones to its rider. The cockatrice banks. <laughs> With Halifax. And uh, passes behind the whirling spire itself. Like Warm Crispin is like hanging off it by this point. Yeah. He's like somewhat impeding it, but it's not really, uh, not really making much difference. He's just like going and kind of like yelling as he does glum unintentional consequence and moral so so what whatever you achieve now will have an unintended consequence but we don't worry about the moral so that's good because i have a plan uh so okay so the uh, the cockatrice is kind of whipping to the left and whipping to the right trying to sort of shake look crispin who's trying to holding on by one like holding on to one of its talons claws and smacking at it with a hammer and you can hear bones breaking and it's and it's true and there's kind of this dogfight as the sure hoof has found his wings now and he's agilely zipping and catching on his tail and as the cockatrice kind of um whereabouts is um Kalanoia at this point good question okay i know i've got the answer um as 
as the cockatrice is flying and kind of whipping and it and kind of it, it flies up and it flies around and it kind of there's a, a kind of unnatural cloud and the cockatrice kind of zips through that and Shawhoof uses that as an opportune moment to kind of avoid it and sort of start spiraling upwards really high and faster and faster and now you can just see that he's above and he's matching the movements of the cockatrice above and just as the cockatrice kind of lands down on this precipice of rock and it's starting to peck down you see sir leonard and he's like now shorehoof and shorehoof's wings whoom, and it kind of whoom, out as these angelic wings as from behind his back leonard draws slowly the sword of kalanoia flips it so he's got it pointed downward and does this wings both arms out leaps off shorehoof and drops the miles and he's plummeting through the air with this blade of Kalanoia below him pointing straight for the cockatrice's neck. Faster and faster he's falling until he passes the bones to Kalanoia. I, I like the idea that this is like uh, that kind of like anime thing where there's like a heat, there's like a heat glow mm-hmm. coming ahead of the sword. Yes. It's like this yeah, massive yeah. triangle pointing down it. <laughs> Flip stymie. So it was glum. Now it's so if that's flipped, does that mean it's now jovial? So it's jovial and it's a jovial overtone. Yeah, so it's jovial all the way and down. Stymied yeah. somehow. So yeah, as Leonard is descending down with Kalanoyo ahead of him, um he th- uh, makes one final thrust towards the cockatrice and with his butterfingers manages to lose the sword that goes whizzing down all the way to the ground um, and ends up placed on a rock um, but as it does so the it, it catches it cuts the, through the rock yeah it cu- cuts through the rock <laughs> no it um it, it lands half balanced uh, on on a rock but as it does so then uh, the the glint of steel of Kalanoia catches the eye of the cockatrice um, who notices the uh, the powerful weapon that is uh, is down on the ground um, and feels the draw of Kalanoia towards it uh, and so the uh, the the cockatrice runs towards uh, Kalanoia curious wondering what, what it is and as it gets there then um, it manages to accidentally stand on the hilt of Kalanoia that, much like a rake, flips up, smacks the cockatrice <laughs> in the face. And the, cock- and, and the cockatrice takes sort of, two steps back um, and shakes its head as it realises that, um, that in the course of hitting it in the face, Kalanoia has got stuck in its nostril. Uh, and it shakes its face back and forth. <laughs> And then does a big old chuckle brother sneeze as Kalanoia shoots backwards <laughs> out of uh, out of the ca- out of the cockatrice's nostril, ricochets uh, off a rock and pings back up towards um, Leonard. Uh, and now <laughs> the cockatrice is looking confused and a little concussed, um, but Kalanoia is flying back up towards Leonard at, at speed. And do I hand the bones back to somebody? Yeah, you could hand them back to Stu, it sounds like. I'll hand them back to Stu. Yeah, hand them back to Stu. <laughs> Big old sword flying at you. Yeah, I think I think also now now it's now it's set on the ground, like Warm Crispin has just like dropped onto the ground and he's just taking very deep breaths and Trying to chill down. Jovial bones. And we've got our very important <laughs> reference to Chuckle Brothers. Yeah. <laughs> and it continues to be jovial, jovial. <laughs> so, 
thankfully it's jovial because this is going to work out. I reckon there's probably a pot of paint hanging around somewhere or somebody doing uh, <laughs> somebody about to fit some windows. <laughs> so as Leonard's falling now, he's still falling because the sword somehow sped ahead of him. It's hit the floor, whanged on the rock and shot back up. Leonard sees his opportunity and he's like, yes, finally. And he grab uh, just pure luck. He manages to grab hold of the sword, but he's Wrong so him. small and the sword is so fast that it whips him up back into the air <laughs> and he's just pulled <laughs> like he's on a bungee cord. He's pulled straight back up. And suddenly, thankfully, Shaw Hoop is there, knowing that his master can sometimes turn a little clumsy. And he kind of, as Shaw Hoop flips upside down so that uh, Leonard lands right in the saddle again. And he spins and he sees and he looks around. And he's like, oh, Crispin, catch! Foom! And he throws the sword. End over end over end to Crispin, who's battling with the cockatrice. And I pass the bones back to Crispin. It's Bones Tennis here on... <laughs> Pete, give me some thunder. <laughs> so the cockatrice has landed. Yeah. It's landed to uh, try and grasp this powerful item. And then uh, the moment it did, like, warm Crispin just dropped off it because he'd been just clinging on for dear life. Because... Um, it was a very regrettable plan to try and climb on its back in the first place. Yeah. And so he's, he's been just like trying to recover from that. Uh, he might, he might have been a little bit sick because uh, that's a, that's a lot of, lot of different motion to be going through. And so he's really not been at his A game and now he's got the sharpest sword that's ever existed thrown at him. Okay. Um, uh, yeah, so and the cockatrice, uh, the cockatrice right like there. watches the sword like flying it back into the air, and it's sort of like goes out of its vision. It kind of you know blinks a little bit, and then like its head twitching back and forth, like one of its you know huge eyes then like focuses on uh, on warm Crispin, and then you see its like big powerful lion like uh, legs start to stomp towards you, boom, 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 and it like ah, makes a big. Uh, and a big uh, roar, and uh, green flame blasts out of its throat like a dragon. But it kind of like putters, putters a little bit because of uh, the skin that the uh, Grizzards put on it. And you see the skin is actually kind of scaly, a little bit like a lizard's. Ah. And I have rolled glum. A warm Crispin is hiding behind his shield. He's, he's flung back and he pulls himself painfully to his feet. And he's landed not far. There's like a river of lava. Mm -hmm. And so he's pulled himself to his feet and he's striding out of the smoke from this lava as kind of dark cloud around their feet. And he strides towards this creature and it lets fly another burst of flame. But now Crispin, warm Crispin is running and he's running not towards it, but past it. And as it does, he leaps to the air and he catches the sword that's running through the air. And it lands in his hand and the power of the throw and the power of the sword spins him backwards and he's flung down again. And the 
cockatrice turns towards him. And as it does, Grizzard creates this magical glow. And again, it's momentarily distracted. It glances back at Grizzard. And then it turns its eye towards Warm Crispin. But it's too late by then. The sword comes down through that eldritch neck. And in a spray of gore, the creature's head is separated cleanly by the impossibly sharp blade of the sword. And we stand in this roiling smoke on the edge of this terrible tower. But the cockatrice lies twitching on the floor, wreathed in smoke and its own venomous gore. Mm. Swords with a <laughs> So, yeah, I'll return the, okay. uh, return the bones. Awesome bones. Glum. Excellent. <laughs> so if it's all right with everyone, I think the end game is probably one long perilous phase. That makes sense. <laughs> What'll you do? That's funny because a <laughs> cockerel has a wattle. Oh, I see what you did there. Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not sure. That's a stretch. Yeah. <laughs> Still better than my Bilbo joke. <laughs> yeah, better than that. Yeah. That's a given. So the uh, our heroes um, safely land uh, on the floating la floating island outside the the whirling spire itself. You uh, bid farewell to the mounted mounts that you that brought you here. Within the spire, they won't be able to maneuver perhaps as well as they could. What do you say to Albertus, Brizid? Uh, before I leave him behind, he probably could manage to skitter around the outsides, maybe just to keep an eye on us all. But his stomach is really maybe quite he'll turn up in the final, badly, final scene or something. badly hurts. And so um, before we go in, I, I rub a, a salve onto it, a poultice. Leonard, what, what do you say to Shawhoof? Well, <clears throat> as we land and starts to sort of stroke the flanks of Shawhoof, he's like, well... My companion, you've served me well, and I'm glad I could give one final gift to you. And as the horse is kind of, he kind of <laughs> gives a little eye sideways, and there's a cave, and just in this cave, he notices a mare, a Pegasus mare, and she's kind of, she's, she's licking and drinking up water, and she sort of looks slyly at Shawhoof, and um, uh, Leonard's like, oh, Shawhoof. You sly dog, you've got some <laughs> tricks in you yet. And he kind of goes, and he raises his stallion forelegs one last time and leaps into the air to rupturous applause. And the, uh, as he his cock flapping in the wind. And then, yeah, pretty much. And the female Pegasus, she matches his gait. And the last you see of Shawhoof and... Um, uh, and the Lady Pegasus spiralling together, a kind of a inverse of when the slugs uh, <laughs> come down from a limb, slime and wrap themselves along. <laughs> and you see them making love so as romantic. they fly into the clouds. And instead of fire, well, there's fire in his eyes, but a different kind of fire. And Sex Selena fire. just just starts a slow clap that, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and that's the last we see. Well, sure, Crispin like raises raises his hand in salute, nice. and uh, and in the background you can just hear, and I don't know which it is, but it's got to be either 
can you feel the love tonight? <laughs> or I can show you the world. Yeah. And it could be either. Like, or I was going to say, it could have been, between tell me two. what makes a man want to give you all his... Tell me what makes a horse want to give you all his wang. Cries when you're apart. Nope. Cries when you're apart. If you know what okay. makes a horse... Wanna give you all his wang? <laughs> then you gotta let me know. So I can give to. my wang to, to you. <laughs> and that's what it turns out. Sure, who could sing the whole time? <gasps> <laughs> that was that was the mystery. It's like what's Sure Who's singing voice? Turns out surprisingly good. <laughs> surprisingly reminiscent of Ronan Keating. If you don't record that song to yeah. go with this episode, I'm going to be very disappointed. That's got to be the end. I'll record an acoustic. Tell me what makes a wang. <laughs> Tell me what makes a wang want to love you like I do. <laughs> <laughs> Smiles when that's you're like, around, over the, cries over the when credits, you're apart. That's the song, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, good Lord. Right. So with that, everybody everybody watches the, the Pegasi fly off. And have sex and as they're flying. The one, <laughs> with slime. Chris Bin, uh, always the one to, uh, to uh, return things to reality, to, to harsh realities. The harsh reality of being on a flying tower says in in we must go and uh you uh head through the uh the rolling fog that's coming off these these uh lava rivers Pegasus. <laughs> <laughs> and uh crossing yeah kind of a, a rocky bridge you make it uh to to see the entrance way and uh you know because this is you know very in genre like the entrance is like shaped like a giant snake's face and you have to go through the mouth and there's a portcullis that are the fangs <laughs> nice yes uh, but the uh yeah the uh, i guess yeah like a bit like the cobra symbol from mask or something um, <laughs> and uh into this dark tower uh it's very quiet inside you know the sound of sort of dripping water somewhere it's very quiet you make your way you can hear like the pad of every footstep those of you that have feet uh, <laughs> i've not uh, considered you make your way through this dark uh dark cavern and you uh you can see like flickering in the distance i, I like to imagine you can hear like like grizzard's feet are like really are quite quiet they're just like yeah, they're like little. They sound a bit lizardy. Do they? Do they actually stick to like geckos? Do you have like gecko boots that like stick to the ground a bit? Yeah, I, I put syrup on them every morning. <laughs> and I like well, I like to think that Warren Crispin just has this kind of solid stride. You can hear like really steady, and then you have glank like dank 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 like models through. <laughs> There's a there's a there's a dim light in the distance, uh, sort of flickering firelight, but but it's definitely not uh, a usual kind of firelight. It's a green flame. <laughs> As you get closer and closer, turn a corner into uh, into the first chamber of this whirling spire, and you see standing in the centre of this uh, this chamber. 
there's a tree and this tree on fire is on fire burns with green flames and it doesn't seem to be uh disintegrating at all or turning to ash it's just constantly like on fire crackling in front of you and the shadows flick across the walls and then it's you sort of move into the room and as you know with the firelight your your shadows like flip back and forth behind you and then suddenly they become solid and you see the green glowing eyes of your shadow selves facing you one of them holding a dark blade that uh, shines with the night sky and within it the dark shadow cells of each of you i'm going to pass the bones uh leonard okay <clears throat> you see the younger human version of you clad in shadow glowing green eyes coming towards you like sets his shield draws his sword says i will replace you yeah and he starts and he swings his sword at you and he, like immediately like bring up like your uh pan lid shield clang like <laughs> dents the whole thing in two it's just a bit of steel okay I, i've boned it okay i've got glum okay. <laughs> oh yeah okay strong glum the glummest which makes sense because you're confronted by your young beautiful self from so the life as, you thought you had. Yeah, as myself runs in and with one one sword swing cleaves my pots and pans shield in two and kind of Leonard Glank stumbles back and he kind of, he sits there and he looks at the warrior and he, he slowly sheaths his sword and he's like, if there is anything of me and you, you will know this is the wrong thing to do. We have lived many lives, you and I, I call to what is good in you. Fight this evil. You can help us in this fight. You must. <laughs> you must be good. He, he looks down at you and says, Look at you. Our house was once so great. Now we're just a little goblin. How can we ever be a hero again? Leonard looks down sadly. And he sort of looks up and he's like, There is nothing of me in you. And... Quicker than you can see, the sword is out of the scabbard, has sliced up, and it's back in the scabbard. And this version of Leonard just, boom, falls in half, in two halves. And it's just... <laughs> and Leonard sadly just turns back to the others. That's right, I've killed him in one hit. <laughs> <laughs> boom! That's, Leonard ain't to be messed Like the with apple it. in Musketeers. That's what a hero does sometimes. Yeah. That's what a hero has to do. And he's sad with it, and he... He kind of sits on the rock and he's like, oh, is there good in me still? Have I become what my physical features suggest I am? So that's the glumness. <laughs> he sees us this thing and then afterwards he feels a bit glum about it. <laughs> oh, well. Glumness glum. achieved. <laughs> <laughs> um, Achievement unlocked, glum. <laughs> so I will, if you will, jovial, you've got to like... Laugh it off. <laughs> I'm going to pass the bones to Kalanoia because I'd like to see the, the face-off between two swords stuck in the ground that are just next to each other, <laughs> one dark, one light. Well, Warm Crispin is carrying Kalanoia at the moment. Ooh, so interesting. Uh, so let's see what he makes you do. So Dark Shadow Crispin is carrying Dark Shadow Kalanoia. Yes. 
So Shadow Crispin points Shadow Kalanoia. All the lights, the light, the green flame dims. It says, you may be the sharpest sword in the world, but you'll be blunted by your own hubris. <laughs> <laughs> the one thing that could defeat um, Kalanoia. And with that, battle is joined. And there's the clash of the two swords, like, you know, one sharper than truth itself. One, the shadow of the sword that's sharper than truth itself. <laughs> clash against each other there's a ringing out louder than lies than the concept of louder than lies lies um yeah so i so i've rolled glum right okay so uh as shadow kalanoia clashes with um light i guess kalanoia each blow that they strike uh, against each other so it shears off um, initially sort of shining energy um, like in a, a burst from there, which which the rest of the uh, the rogues stagger back from. And then immediately that is sucked straight back in. Uh, and there's almost sort of a vacuum of air as, uh, as that light is sucked back into Kalanaya. And, um, wow. and so it becomes quite an uncomfortable environment to exist in. Uh, and as uh, Shadow... Crispin um, reaches up uh, with the the dark sword. Then the tree dims further, uh, and he plants it in the ground. Uh, and a rush of green flames bubble uh, across the surface um, before uh, they are sucked into light uh, Kalanoia uh, until finally Crispin and uh, his dark counterpart uh, face off. Um, and both hold their respective swords up uh, and bring them in to try to shatter the other. Uh, and as they meet, um, then there is almost a momentary pause in time uh, as everything <coughs> stands still for a moment. And Light Kalanoia realises that this is just the the mirror image of the power that is contained within the sword, but that power that was contained within the sword was put there by a goddess. And there is no way that the dark version uh, of himself can be allowed to continue uh, unabated within the material world. And so as they clash, rather than try to bring his force to bear uh, against the uh, what is contained within the Dark Sword, he in- instead draws it into himself uh, and into the Sword Kalanoia to contain it, and locks himself in to fight against the darkness in eternity, but contained within uh, the new reality that is the form of that sword itself. And so with that, Kalanoia falls silent uh, as he is locked in an internal, uh, an eternal uh, struggle. Maybe someday if somebody were to shatter the sword, then all hell would break loose. But until that day comes, then uh, that fight will continue internally, unbeknownst to those who hold him. And that explains how the shadow form diverges. So... If you want to uh, count that as resolving a mystery, yeah, because sure. that's a really good conclusion for and an explanation of some things we've found about Kalanoia since. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I like I like that it's it is also open ended. Like there's this conflict within the sword. And in a way, that's what that seems to me like what uh, Kalanoia is kind of into. Always wanted to be the best, but who could better be a challenge for that than their shadow self? Hmm. Well, I think within the sword, you've got this darkness that is trying to break out of yeah. its prison, um, and then you've got the um, the light that is trying to keep it entrapped in, and that's the the core of the uh, of the conflict. Yeah. Uh, and as long as the light aspect of Kalanoia can contain it in there, then uh, then that's it's continuing to to do his job. But yeah, can can Kalanoia defeat himself? Well, that, that that's that's the big story. Hmm. Okay, so who are you passing the bones to? Um, I will. Well, I yeah. So to resolve that, um, so Kalanoia sort of draws that uh, into himself, um, and there is then this unresolvable conflict uh, that goes on. Um, and maybe there's a, a little bit left that uh, Cal- uh, that the wielder of uh, Kalanoia can try to tap into for for assistance. But um, but really, Kalanoia's time from here on in is spent trying to to contain that. Um, and probably as that happens, everything begins to to dim from the shadow realm uh, around them, and the the form of the sword falls to the floor uh, at the feet of Grizzard Skink Wrangler. So I will pass the bones to Grizzard Skink Wrangler. You don't get to go to bed now, Gwyn. <laughs> nice try. <laughs> <laughs> well, I want to um, I want to explain why Kalanoi is the way. Yeah. That he is when we find him, yeah. and that seems like it's appropriate. Yeah, I, I think I think that's super no, appropriate, and also it gives us a new angle on like why the weapon is dangerous, and it makes not destroying the sword the right answer. Yeah, God damn it! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like one hundred percent, we now know that would have been extremely that's true. bad. Yes, yeah, that's true. Grizzard, you you with this uh, drawing of the shadow sword. Within uh, Kalanoia, uh, the 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 landscape uh, around this tree shifts and changes, um, like a like film unraveling, um, and you see that uh, uh, the yeah the tree is an illusion conjured over something else, and uh, within. Uh, Within the center of this chamber is uh, is a some a creature that's been chained up, and it's a it's a dragon with like a muzzle and uh, big manacles that hold it down, and uh, you can see uh, at the edge of its wings, uh, just at the tips, there's a, there are hooks, and this is the dragon, the legendary dragon Hookwing, <gasps> and uh, from. Uh, Underneath you see there's this sort of magic circle drawn in in glowing green runes and it's drawing the power from this this dragon to power this whole citadel. It's using it this dragon magic to to fly the citadel towards the footholds to to power coil spikes magic to to fuel these monsters that coil spikes sends out. With you know, uses dragon blood to to create them, and uh, floating down from a higher level upon his disc, like you saw in the dream realm, is Coil Spite himself <clears throat> come to face you, and he starts he 
He's got his uh, cobra-headed staff. He starts firing fireballs down at you. Start blasting into you, into the ground around you. You like you look around for cover, but there you know there isn't any. Uh, except your mm. friends and the dragon, and just as you turn, like you get, you know, you're you're grabbed from behind by your shadow self, which says you can't escape. And you've rolled a jovial, <laughs> but, but with an unintended consequence. Oh. Uh, yeah. So it's fireballs whizzing towards me. I've been grabbed by my own shadow self. It's trying to keep me from going anywhere, but but my darkness. I know you. I know you as part of me. For as a wizard, I am. I know my own self and my own nature. Um, I brought forth I from a prism of darkness at some point, a few episodes ago, and so I know how to deal with you. And uh, I roll it over myself like a kind of uh, a wrestling move. And uh, and oh yeah, judo throw, judo thing, yeah. throw, and then spam a lizard into its face. Yeah, from the skittering <laughs> horde. But there's there's fireballs. Do- I'm dodging around from these fireballs, and the others are dodging too. I remember because they're also here. Um, and did we like Hookwing? I don't remember. Hookwing's a bad guy. Hook, Hookwing, Hookwing was the dragon that spared Glank. Right. Because. Yeah. Because Glank was destined to destroy its enemy, the sorcerer Coil Spike. Right. But it was all—it was also the dragon that cursed Glank. Right. He probably deserved it. You know, Glank seems like a nice guy. He's good these days. Maybe being a, uh, maybe being a like his shadow self was kind of a jerk. Maybe being a goblin's actually been an improvement. It'd be. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> like, we're having this conversation in character. <laughs> While dodging like this guy. fireballs. Do you think he's good? Yeah. What does good and evil really mean? I don't know. What do we mean when we say someone deserves to be cursed? Can we really give a true answer to that? Um, at which point there's a particular... It's a world in moral twilight. <laughs> it is a world of moral twilight. Which is interesting that we've been made into shadow and light. Like, perhaps all of us should be... Kind of the gloaming. <laughs> anyway, as a particularly large fireball gets gets thrown down and coil spikes, like shut the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> Grizzard falls to her feet in a kind of lizard-like, almost like a plank, but not quite, and skitters um, underneath um, underneath a hookwing to where the the uh, fire is being drained. The gr- the green power of the dragon. And while she's there, she licks the ground. She licks the power to find out where it's from. What is it? What is it? Where does this power come from? I roll the flavours round on my tongue and taste particular kinds of magic. Taste evil, but also moral ambiguity. We were correct. He is morally <laughs> ambiguous. Um, it is a strange flavour, kind of an umami kind of thing. It's, it's a bit Moorish, but at the same time, you're not quite sure about it. Usually prefer sweet or savoury. <laughs> <clears throat> I'm by myself time. Power's been drawn from inside the dragon, but where is the dragon's power coming from? Um, it seems to be somewhere inside of it, coming from its very heart, the heart of the dragon. And so with my knowledge of uh, the ways of uh, lizard-like creatures, of reptiles and magic, I plunge my hand through the dragon itself. It's like a power punch. <laughs> And rip out the glowing, sticky heart. Wow. And it is on fire. Oh. I guess it was too late for Hookwing after all. 
the green fire is in my hands. It is its power and its passion. It is everything that is the heart of a dragon. The meaning behind it, it's still throbbing because the dragon can exist without the heart inside it, but I have it in my hands. And I know now where all of this is coming from. The moral ambiguity and the passion of dragons. Nice. Okay, so I think that solves the mystery as to the power of the green flame. It's going to take a sip. Is Grizzard saving this for herself? Well, I'm thinking she might at least have a little chew on it and see what happens. <laughs> yes. I mean, if she swallows the heart of a dragon, I feel like that would turn her into some kind of great power of the world. I mean, it's a bit big, so I probably used to have to have a mouthful. Yeah, yeah, sure. So who are you going to pass the bones on to? Mm. Warm Crispin was also dodging... The fireballs at the same time while we were discussing moral ambiguity. Yes, he was. And thus I pass bones to you. All right. Well, I have a little lick on this uh, heart lolly. So I, I, I feel like okay. breaking, disconnecting the part of the dragon might well have devastating effects going on around us as well. Yes. So Coil Spite uh, fires fireballs from his cobra staff. And he's screaming at, he's like, Grizzard, you'll die for this. You'll die. I don't think I will. You'll all perish <laughs> here, you fools. And as, uh, as Grizzard like, has, the, has the heart in her hands and it, this green flame glows from it, like, you see the coil spike changes. He kind of f- slip, falls out of his, his robe. And bef- so what he looked like was a, was a, a man with a snake's head. But when you first knew him, Grizzard, when you, you first, your rivalry got created, he was a snake. He was a giant snake. And that's what he's returning to now. He's losing his chaos powers. And as such, the whirling spire itself is starting to fall out of the sky. And Core Spike, he slid, he hits the ground like, you know, his magic disc, like, you know, hits the ground and spins like a coin. And he slithers forward. Um, and he's heading for the exit, and he's heading straight. He's going to go through you, Warm Crispin. I've rolled glum, and so as this was going on, Warm Crispin has been battling against Shadow Crispin and, like, dodging fireballs and trying to... uh, try and discussing the fundamental dichotomy of reality with Grizzard, and he sees Coil Spite's changed form and he begins to run himself. He's running as fast as he can for the exit. Now, where there was previously flame, the room is dark. There is tumbling masonry, leaves trails of dust, and the whole thing is starting to slide, skew over, and like torches from the walls are shifting and tumbling as well. So the light is flickering these flashing forms and the shadow shadow crispin is somehow although a creation of this magic unlike the other shadow forms it has somehow remained more solid and crispin is one crispin is running for the exit and as he does he passes leonard who's sitting glumly on his rock and he says my friend your time is coming I will block the way out if you can. But the sorcerer approaches. He must be stopped. And warm Crispin runs through to the doorway 
and places his shield in it. And the shadow form of Crispin faces him. But Crispin says, you're my shadow. Either you serve life or you serve death. If you serve death, then we are the same. If you serve life, then preserve. Ruin is already upon us. You have a place here and we need you. And he places his shield and he blocks like half that doorway is almost is blocked by his shield. And his shadow pauses for a long moment and then places its shadow beside him, blocking the other side of the doorway. And in the air of the room, the dust is whirling, the flames flicker, and the great serpent writhes its way towards them. But Leonard Glank is also there. I'll hand the bones to Glank. So... Two two flip stymie and mystery. <laughs> so it's flipped to jovial, and you're okay. stymied. What does the stymied mean again? It just means that the thing you're aiming to do will not work for some reason. Okay, well I can kind of see how this kind of can and can't work, and I'll put it. I think you'll see where I'm getting it. So. Yeah. As Leonard sort of, as you run past him, Leonard's looking down and he's got his his hands and his head in his hands and he's he's really questioning now if if his shadow came out evil and he doesn't really understand the magic and he's like, is there evil inside me? Is this what what is become of me? Have I have I embraced the darkness? Is is my form a representation? Was that why I was cursed? And as as Crispin runs past and he says his piece and Leonard's like, ah. Oh, and he's like I say, his hands in his in his head, and then he kind of he he sits back up and he looks down and he sees that this little green hand with three fingers is is slowly changing, and he kind of and it's it's starting to grow and it's not dissimilar to the scene in um, American Werewolf, and he's kind of like oh, oh. it's actually it's more like the reverse it's like the scene in Beauty and the Beast when he kind of he's like oh. oh. And he's lifted up and like light beams come out of his hands and he's slowly transformed. And he's oh! and as he lay as he slumps down exhausted, he looks up and this this gorgeous man that looks exactly like the beast turned into a human with long flowing <laughs> hair. Like extraordinarily Disney handsome. And he sort of looks up, but he's naked. Yes, the most beautiful cock. He does. Thank you, Alison. Well Chiseled like a Disney cock. Yeah. Chiseled like the day is long. Tell me um, what makes the wine. But the thing is, he's obviously like all of his pots and pans armor, so he's naked and he picks up the sword, but it's a dagger now in his hands. <laughs> and he's just like standing there. And as he's standing there naked, what about all my characters get naked? That wasn't the original intention, but I figured, you know. He has to. Unbelievable. Um, and as he sort of, he stands up and he's like, and again. As he turns <laughs> around with a dagger and there's coil spike in the doorway and he's like, come you beast. And he flips the dagger so he's got it pointed down. He's like, let's finish this! And he just, and he charges towards coil spike. Still naked. And <laughs> still naked. Um, and at that point, I shall cut, flip the scene and pass the bones to Ben. As you see them both kind of, ah, uh, they, they just disappear off sight down this tunnel they're, they're, well, they're as both he crashes into Charging them. towards the gate, I guess, which is what Warm Crispin was 
trying to guard. What I was going to say is Coral Spike comes charging down towards the gate. And then from like the side, that's where Leonard comes slamming into yeah. them. And they kind of tumble through a different alleyway and go out of sight. Okay. So, Pete, you have the storm. Yeah. So, uh, Warren Crispin, you and your shadow self were were holding the, the door open as this the, the door frame and the walls start to crumble. And, uh, and yeah, so the fight uh, between uh, Sir Leonard, the t- t- titanic struggle between Coil Spite and Sir Leonard uh passes through and you see the the yeah the masonry start to fall and crash down around uh around you and uh you you usher grizzard um out and uh as the uh, uh as the last of the as the ceiling starts to crumble in you uh you just reach down pick up Kalanoia and uh whip whip out the sword so i've rolled glum Okay. And so as this masonry is falling, I like call Grizzard because Grizzard's kind of hypnotized by this heart. And Warm Crispin runs in and shakes her. And he's like, Get out! It's all coming down. And they're beneath this kind of half slumped body of the dragon, Hookwing, as Grizzard starts running for the exit. And this room is angling more steeply. Warm Crispin climbs to buy the dragon's head and he says old one you have a welcome for you. and he strikes the surface of his shield with his hammer and there's a bell-like ringing and for a moment the front of the shield becomes the black gate wow. and through it hookwing the mighty is able to pass and the eyes dim on the draconic head and the body falls into the softness of rest. And around it, dust falls and whirls in the air. And Crispin turns and starts running as fast as he can. And as he's running, at the angle you see Kalanor sliding across the ground. And he reaches for it. And it's sliding too fast. And it slides away. And you can see the angle of the room. He can't get the sword and get out and so he's running and he's running at this angle and the room's tipping grizzard's got out and he reaches the door and just as he's climbing through he looks back to where the sword is and he sees his shadow holding it out hilt towards him and his shadow speaks for the first time and you can see nothing within it but stars and darkness and it says Your friend may need this, for only by overthrowing his destiny can he be released. And Warm Crispin takes the sword, gives his shadow self a slow nod, and runs from the tower, runs down to where he sees the serpent and Leonard Glank engaged in a terrible battle. And as he approaches that edge, he takes the sword and he flings it towards Glank. And he shouts, my friend, you will need this at the last. And he has solved the mystery of what power keeps Leonard from the embrace of the mother. Even. Yeah. Which means that Stu gets to narrate the epilogue. Okay. So it's jovial. So here we go. As the sword, as, as he throws the sword, 
there's a there's been this 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 conflict that has gone down the halls and the dagger has been kind of he's been stabbing and stabbing but it, it barely scratched the surface and he's Coral Spite's been almost laughing and he's been he'll he's grabbed Glank on the arm and he's 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 got a deep puncture wound on his left arm. So as this this fight's gone on and he's been he's been stabbing and cutting and nothing's worked and he's covered in whip marks and scratch marks and and there's puncture wounds all over his body. And as it comes to it, they're coming, they're fighting towards the edge of the cliff and the, the castle is starting to crumble down and Cole Spite is almost laughing in the, this pitiful man that can barely hurt him. And he stands out, he, he leaps forward and wraps his body round Sir Glank and he just bites down and rips off Sir Glank's left arm and Sir Glank's like, ah! And so the bottom half is just blood's just pouring and this is the scene as Warm Crispin spins the corner and he's just like, he's, he's shocked, but Warm Crispin's seen enough. And he says what he says and he hurls Kalanoia and with his last bit of energy, sort of, he uses bloody stomp and he smacks the face of, of uh, Coral Spite as his sword comes in and he just catches it. And he's sort of, he bleeding heaven and he slices down and cuts one of the coils off from coil spite and it's it's almost like cutting that cutting coil spite in half and he falls to the floor and he's whipping around but with his magic you can see that it's almost kind of reforming and coil spite's like you can never kill me and for the briefest flashes of moment this kind of this this tranquil moment and leonard is standing in a field with kalanoia in human form and Kalanoia's like, this is your final fight. You know what you have to do. And then he's back, <clears throat> suddenly just sees it. And he just, Coil Spite's starting to return to his, his wounds healing, his tail's coming back. And Leonard's like, Aah! one final run. <clears throat> and Coil Spite comes in, these massive gaping jaws slamming down. But Leonard's not there. This isn't his first rodeo. He's dodged to the left, and with his sword, he slams Kalanoia straight through the brain of Coil Spite. And Coil Spite's kind of. And you can see Coil Spite's working to reform himself and heal himself, but it's not enough. And with his final ounce of strength, Sir Leonard is like. This is for the life you stole from my family! And he, and he throws them both off the cliff. And as he's tumbling and falling, the castle is falling on top of them. And as he hits the rocks, and Coil Spite is crashed into a, almost a thousand pieces, there's just a little bit of life. And with a little bit more magic, he can heal himself as his flaming citadel crush just comes crushing down on the two of them and just absolutely destroys any <laughs> chance of coil spite bringing himself back to life and he is definitely dead as is leonard and the sword the sword is is lost to the history of time is lost to the annals of time but the thing is you think everyone's dead but no who should appear before the final moment no. <laughs> But Shawhoof, hey! his wife, and magical Pegasi children. As you know, there's only two people survived. So Shawhoof and his wife swoop down, 
grasping somehow with their hooves kind of <laughs> hooked around each of them and boom, into the air they go. Yeah, I, li- I like to imagine that like you have this huge collapse of the tower and this massive cloud of dust and then the dust starts to pass and you just see the silhouettes mm. through the dust yeah. of these winged horses or like a winged horse and you see like maybe Albertus, the high-speed lizard. Yeah, he's safe. Yeah, and and like Grizzard and Warm Crispin riding in the air through this ruin and down towards the foothold. I hope we're in silhouette. We've got to be in silhouette. That that's a given. And this as this as the setting sun. Or the rising sun, maybe. Right. As the flames from the rising sun. Yeah, the first dawn. As the first dawn of a new age. Go into the horse shagging song, right? I was going to say, the horses are, you know, you're just like, one horse is fine, but the other one, like, its flanks are glistening with sweat as if it's just run a really long race. I just assumed it was going to be the silhouettes of two shagging horses, like, in the rising sun. With with a final quick quick cut scene of these two humans that are just awkwardly like, just close your eyes and just hope we get to land quickly. Just don't look. <laughs> Tell me what makes a way. <laughs> Wanna give you all its love. Uh, Smiles when you're around. Now, yeah. Cries yeah. when you're apart. Yeah, it's like little cameos of all the actors. <laughs> yeah. Like yeah, it's got a freeze sorry, frame sorry. of... Just oh, there's like a little cutscene of kind of a ghostly figure of Glank walking into the clearing where his wife and son are there because they've died previously and they're they're waiting for him. <laughs> In this yeah. mythical world, and his, his, his shadow yeah, wife it, like yeah, yeah, yeah. moves her hand over the kid's face so she can't, they can't see the shagging horses. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> He's a farmhand. He's seen much worse. Foothold <laughs> uh, stands as one of the few refuges in the broken age. Stands beneath. The mountains, but for, actually, that's terrible. Let me do that again. <laughs> that <laughs> <was> <laughs> the, the glomering, glowing, gloaming fires of. Yeah. <laughs> that was a of good the white act. lady, the lady oh, in white, oh, lady. whitey oh, lady oh, face. Whitey <laughs> and pass the bones to its rider. Or do you? But he doesn't give a shit. <laughs> I'm I'm typing bones. I just don't know how. Okay. Uh, also, so, don't... Uh, You've written the words fingers drums. 
Fingers dropped. <laughs> That's not the same as bones. It's an easy mistake to make. Yeah. <laughs> fight it. If there is any of me in you, there is good in you. There is my <laughs> breakfast in you. <laughs> the shadow egg. <laughs> shadow shadow shreddies. <laughs> Call on your shadow shreddies. <laughs> Quicker than you can imagine, his sword is out of his scarab and scarab. His sword <laughs> is out of the scabbard and it just boom and suddenly it's back in the scarab. Scarab, right. Cut that bit. So, oh, wow. if I if I just don't interrupt, does it? Do we all die in it? <laughs> <laughs> in the perilous phase, kind of, yeah. Uh, Lost to the annals of time. Annals. And. <laughs> Lost to the annals. It's lost to the time annals. <laughs> the butthole of time. Yeah. Time slips through an anal hole. <laughs> no, the edit, of veto. History. Okay, um. so we, do we hit record now then? <laughs> oh, 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 oh. Comedy yeah. jive. Well, thank you very much, Pete. Thank you. Yes, that was awesome, Peter. This was fantastic. Yeah. Cheers, Round of applause. Yeah, come on, Gwyn, clap. Make it feel like you can. Now you need to return as a regular oh, character, Ram. Or at least a cameo in season four. As a regular character, just Pete. <laughs> yes. <Yeah>. Hello, guys. <laughs> Where the hell am I? What's happening? It's a me, Pete. Uh, no, I've had a great time. Yeah, I'd love brilliant. to come back sometime. But, uh, Excellent. Yeah, it's up to the maestro, Ben. Um, well done, well done. Pete Sausage. <laughs> you can be Mike Sausage Ross Sausage Sausage to meet you. <laughs> sausage to meet you. It doesn't even make sense. Rob, <laughs> Rob has been killed by the king for some reason. <laughs> like, what if we yeah, just get back and like Rob Sausage is the king and we're like, what have we missed? <laughs> I destroyed oh, the bacon man. And now I am Sausage King! <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sausage for me. See you, Chipper, later. <laughs>